Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Good morning. How's everyone? People in the room, if you're at home, I'm, I see you. No, I don't, but anyway. Uh, this has been a great week of prayer and fasting. We do it every week or every year, at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. And last week I talked about how his is the power and ours is the prayer, how important prayer is. Things, Some things will never move without prayer. Uh, we did daily devotionals, online, there was stuff, all kinds of things and opportunities for you to participate. As Shanda already referenced, though, we're going to continue on, but this week it's prayer and Feasting. So some of you are like, I'm in now. Uh, last week, maybe not, but here you are. Um, so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about more about that today. But uh, last week I talked about expectation. Expectations. And uh, expectations are funny things because if you have negative ones, uh, you, your life tends to be more negative. If you have positive ones, your life tends to be more positive. It's like this sanitizer. Every time you go to get a sanitizer somewhere, you don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes you go to some and they're beautiful. They smell like lavender and they're soft and all that. And other times you get some and it smells like a brewery and you're afraid if you get pulled over, you're going to get a DUI. This one that we have here smells like an alligator had a bath in it. I don't know what's going on. But it works, right? It's killing something. But expectations all the time. You never know what you're going to get. And I talked about last week how it's very easy in the climate and culture that we're in right now to lower our expectations based on our experiences and how it's so important to raise our experiences based on our expectations. And another word for lowered expectation, this is almost like part two, is cynicism. In our culture today, cynicism is everywhere. Cynical, cynical, cynical. It's that trust, distrustful, contempt, pessimism. Anybody else notice that that's out there on? You watch the news, you turn it on, you listen on the radio, you talk with people. It tends to be moving to the Lord. And maybe some of us even, it's crept in. When someone's too enthusiastic, sometimes we'll start to say things like, oh, just wait a little while. Once life hits you a few times, then, then you'll really get, that'll tame that down. We don't want you to be too passionate or cynical about leaders. We might be cynical about God moving because of some disappointment. We might be cynical because of all the hatred and the abuse and the chaos in our world or maybe that we personally experienced. Sometimes people are struggling about a son or a daughter and being cynical. Will they ever return to the Lord? I don't know. It seems impossible. And and cynicism is everywhere and in many places with people that I talk to, from pastors and leaders to people, uh, regular people, to people that are not followers of Jesus, cynicism is leaking into our hearts. It's uh, John Tyson, who's a thought leader in Church of the City in New York, he writes this in his book, Beautiful Resistance. It's moving through our culture like a cancer. And this is a seriously troubling thing because it is cynicism accompanied by heavy hopelessness, hopelessness in our world. Even though we live at a time when we are advancing at every technological level and the bookshelves and the TVs are flooded with all the ways that you can make your life better and self-help, and, but our society is crippled by depression, emptiness, divorce, promiscuity, loneliness, and violence. And the cynicism isn't something conceptual, just an emotional idea. It has tangible, real-world effects. And it's not just out there. 
It's creeping in in many places in here, in our lives. And all of us have to be aware of this dangerous things. It's hurting us. It's hurting our expectation. It's hurting our uh, vision for the future. And it's dangerous because we begin to lose hope for the present and just think that this is all that there is. Scripture warns of this danger when it says, without a vision or without expectation, people live carelessly. They live without restraint. They just do whatever they want to do and experience all the fruit of that. And this is what someone said, that cynic, the cynic is always observing, critiquing, but never engaged, little loving, and not hoping. Cynicism leaves us doubting, unable to dream. And here's the combination shuts down our heart and we just show up for life, going through the motions. Attend church, click. Read my Bible, click. Once in a while, have a conversation. But a praying life is just the opposite. A, plain, a praying life engages evil. It engages with evil. A praying life doesn't take no for an answer. A praying life is always in God's face, hoping and believing and asking. And prayer is feisty in the face of cynicism. Cynicism, on the other hand, merely critiques. It's passive, cocooning itself in its own world in, instead of engaging in the great cosmic battle that all of us are in, and it's without hope. Someone said that cynics observe while prayers participate. Cynics makes excuses as to why it can't happen. Well, prayers make intercession so that it can. And see, it's interesting why... Have we allowed in so many places, and maybe all of you are just the greatest hope-filled people, but as we sang this morning, that's part of the reason why we sing, to remind ourselves of who God is. Because the gospel of Jesus, at its very core, means good news. That's what gospel means, good news. It's the story of God taking initiative to bridge the gap between us and him where sin had separated us, to restore us to himself, where the resurrection means that hope is still possible in the world. The good news of the gospel is that sin might have wrecked my life, but God can restore my life. Sin might have destroyed in my family's life, but there's still hope because God is still moving. My son or daughter might have wandered so far from God, but there's still hope because the gospel is good news and God is is still working in the middle of it. So why are we so cynical? And believe me, I've talked to a lot of people over the last six months that are negative and fearful and pessimistic about so many things. I wonder if it's perhaps because we've trained ourselves to look for the darkness instead of the light. I wonder if it's We've learned to look for the dark cloud instead of the silver lining in the middle of it. I'm not just talking about having an optimistic attitude. I'm talking about the orientation of our life. You see, a con I think that maybe a constant diet of social media, 24-hour negative news have fueled a mindset that only sees, only sees injustice, pessimism, dis uh, disruption, and division and becomes cynicism. And someone in a poem called A Brief for the Defense, writes this, to make injustice the only measure of our attention is to praise the devil. To make injustice the only measure of our attention is to praise the devil. Yes, we know bad things are happening in the world. It's not about sticking your head in the sand. 
Much of our view, though, is determined by something deeper than just our circumstances, our struggles, and our disappointment. It comes out of the answer to this question, what do you see God as? Because if you see God as angry, you will be cynical in distance. If you see God as ready to whack you one, you will be cynical about his goodness in the world. If you see God perhaps as someone who's passive and just kind of watching everything, again, cynicism. Because if he's not interested, why would I be? And if our view of God is off, everything is off. So what do you think? Is God happy? Is God in a good mood? Is God good? Because how, if you're unsure, you answered no to those, then you probably will not see these things as being essential to who we are as followers of Jesus. Because why is celebration essential? Because when we miss out on celebration, we misrepresent the totality of who God is. We miss out on showing who God is, that he is active and restoring the world through the power of his spirit moving in the world. That he is moving things forward in the middle of chaos, in the middle of all that's going on. Celebration is the dominant, reoccurring theme of the Bible, of Jesus. And it starts in creation. At the end of it all, God is, at the end of each day, he says this. In the beginning was this. God did this on day one, it was good. On day two, and it was good. Everything that he created, he came with a bias to say, it's good. What God is doing is always good. When there was light, he said, it was good. When there was uh, uh, waterfalls and rivers and fountains and, 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 and streams flowing, he said, it was good. When there was animals that he created, it was good. When he saw man, it was good. And the dominant theme that God begins everything, it is good, and he's celebrating what he did in the world. And too often we forget what God is doing still in the world and we start gauging our attitude. We start uh, being prayerless because we start to believe that the only thing that's going on is negative in our world. But God is not just celebrating back in creation. It says this in Psalm 16, it's who he is. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. When you get around God, there is fullness of joy. When you're a follower of Jesus, what should there be in you? Fullness of joy. In other words, the happiest people around, and I'm not talking about happiness based on our situation, our circumstances, but as something that goes deeper, that because I'm around the presence of Jesus, there is a bias in my life to believe that the impossible is possible, to believe that in challenging situations that God is still moving. For the Lord will take delight in you with gladness, one says. With his love, he will calm all of your fears. He will rejoice. Rejoice over you with joyful songs. That word he rejoices over you means to celebrate, to jump up and down, to twirl with delight. He is absolutely overwhelmed with joy. Some of us are okay at Thanksgiving, but celebration. I'm quietly, contemplatively, yes, I'm very thankful, and it's good. It is good. But celebration is something different. Celebration is active. Celebration is is just another level. When you go to the Canucks game, you know, you've, you've ever been to a Canucks game, maybe we'll go back to one one day. It might be fun. But they sit down there, and you, everybody isn't just all quiet. 
Thankful for the opportunity to be here today. That was a really good goal. See that? No, people are on their feet. They're yelling. They're screaming. They're celebrating that someone put a biscuit in the basket. They are overwhelmed. And that's the difference between quiet, contemplative thanksgiving, which is incredibly needed. It's time for gratitude to overcome griping. But there's something more that moves from kind of a contemplative thing, which begins to be moving active against this, this cynicism in our world. See, light, it was good. Crashing seas, it was good. Humanity, it was good. For his anger only lasts for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. There are moments when God disciplines us, but his disposition towards us is favor. His disposition towards us is, I love you. His disposition towards us is, I'm walking with you. And so why so cynical? Why do we celebrate? Celebration is a command. It's commanded. Celebration is not here and there in the Bible. It's everywhere. Pick up the Psalms, and J David will often start with, why am I so downcast? My life is terrible. And then he switches. He acknowledges reality, and then he begins to rejoice in the Lord. Things like this. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. If you're around me very much or you grew up in my home, my kids might have wake up grumpy. I say, go back into your room and do what you got to do because this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, there is something more going on here. God is moving for our life. He made it. He's prepared the way in front of me so I can rejoice and be glad in it. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice and shout for joy, Psalm 32 says. In the New Testament, Paul says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And again, I, in case, and then he says this, and, and if, in case you didn't get it, again I'll say it, rejoice. Because I think the Philippians back then in that church were very much like us. Come again, Paul, what did you say? Rejoice in the Lord always, like every time, in every season, in every situation. Have you been in COVID right now? Have you seen my bank account? Have you seen my situation? Rejoice in the Lord always. It's a command, and every command that God gives us is for our good. Everything that God does is for our good. Because the practice of celebration by you defeats the presence of cynicism around you and in you. Celebration strengthens us in a cynical world. In the Old Testament, the people of God had heard in the book of Nehemiah, had heard for the first time in a long time the, 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 the scriptures. They were read to them, and they were weeping because they realized their sin put them far from God. They saw the goodness of God. They were weeping, for, weeping with thanksgiving, and there was just weeping and mourning over sin. And, and then Nehemiah comes to them and says, this is the, the governor, he says, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened. And Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those to those who have nothing. The day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And celebration strengthens us in a cynical world. In, and uh, Proverbs 17 and 22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine. If you need some medicine, take some good medicine. And you think, well, what is, that's nice platitudes, Craig, but really, let's, we live in a scientific world. 
Well, in, his, in the book, Living from the Heart, I just want to read you this. Living from the Heart that Jesus gave you, the author notes this. Neurobi neurobiologists, I can hardly pronounce it, but it's real. Neurobiologists have shown that while the majority of our brain development stops in our childhood, there is one location in the right prefrontal cortex that remains active and can keep growing and change. It's called the joy center. In other words, when the joy center is sufficiently developed, it regulates your emotions, it regulates pain control, it regulates, and immunity enters in strength. It guides us to act like ourselves. It releases dopamine and serotonin, which are the happy hormones, and it is the only part of our brain that can override fear, sexual impulses, terror, and food, food urges. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, if you have an anxiety problem, choose joy. If you have a food addiction problem, like I do sometimes, choose joy. If you, have a, uh, if you are sick, choose joy. If you're in pain, choose joy. If you're in addiction, choose joy. In everything, choose joy. It doesn't mean I'm rejoicing that I lost my job. It means I'm rejoicing in the middle of it because God is with me. And as I do this, it actually builds up my strength to be able to go through it. So how, if you practice joy in the good times, you will have strength in the difficult times and you will get through. That's why the Bible says, count it all joy when you experience all kinds of temptation because you're actually growing that part of your brain that helps you to move through. And you're actually inviting God into the picture in the spiritual realm. So the body, the, the, the spirit, and the soul are all being affected when we are people that practice celebration. Celebration. The practice of celebration by you defeats the presence of cynicism in you and around you. Celebration reminds the world that there's hope. In Luke 15, there's this wonderful story where all these people who were far from God were around Jesus and they, the sinners and the tax collectors, the, 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 the people who were selling their bodies, all kinds of things. There they were around Jesus and the people were looking at them and say, why are you around Jesus? Jesus, why are you around them? Cynical that they could change. You shouldn't be close to them because they will, they will, they will, you will catch their sin, Jesus. And they were cynical. And in the middle of that, Jesus addresses that cynicism. And he says, tells three stories of one sheep out of a hundred that was lost and found. Of one coin out of ten that was lost and found. Of one son out of two that was lost and found. And the response every time was this. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The, the posture of the father in the story in the middle of all that was going on was celebration. In the middle of it, he says, a son has come home and he celebrated. He celebrated because the, different, the reality is that the work of God in the world deserves to be noticed and celebrated. Not the work of injustice and the work of evil and all that. We know that's going on. But what's going to get us through and not only get us through, but get us through with strength and cause us to be people of prayer or people who celebrate. The work of God gives, when we start to, uh, instead of being cynical, when we start to be celebratory, it starts to give people the glimpse of another world, of heaven at work in our world. How, how, how are you celebrating right now? 
Celebration, someone said, is an act of defiance against the cynicism of our world. I will celebrate the God of lost causes. I will celebrate the God of second chances. I will celebrate the God who makes all things new. I will celebrate the God who restores my life. I will celebrate that God is with me. But the practice of celebration by you will defeat the presence of cynicism around you. And some people, though, say, well, Craig, I'm not naturally a celebratory person. And I'm not. Honestly, I'm not a celebrator. I'm like, we got one thing done, let's go for the next thing. That's just how I am. I live with a woman, though, who loves to celebrate all the time. If I forget her birthday, because, you know, I do sometimes. Uh, I've, I've only done it once. Um, I thought I told you. No, celebrate. She's all about celebration. And so some of us are more oriented towards it, and some of us are more oriented the other way to, to not celebrating. So I just want to... Because this is so key to our prayer life. Because cynics don't pray, and prayers aren't cynical. As long as you're cynical, you're unlikely to be prayerful. How do you move from cynicism to celebration? The first is to ask God for help. My goodness. And that starts with this. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. If, first of all, if you don't know Jesus, take the first step and surrender your life to Jesus and say, God, I need you to restore my life. I need, I need you to come in and take the leadership of my life. I repent of my sin, and I invite you to lead my life. But maybe you're walking with God and you realize, man, I, I'm not in the way I am. I've become more of, of an observer. I've become more of just watching. I've become more of a critiquer of what God's doing and, and, and not believing God for big things in the middle of all that's going on. Restore unto me the joy of, of your salvation. Lord, I repent of my cynical attitude, and I, I want to be a celebrator of what you're doing in the world. And the second way is to look for God everywhere. God is working all over the place. You shall rejoice in the, all the good that the Lord your God has given you. It doesn't just say thank you. When you get your paycheck, God, I thank you. Thank you that you provide my needs. I celebrate your goodness. And don't just stick it in your bank. Thank God. Rejoice in God. Joy is the fitting response of a receiver to the giver of goodness. You know, there's lots of good going on in the world. Over the last 20 years, the Save the Children notes some of these things. That from uh, the year 2000 to today, there are 4.4 million fewer children dying every year. Do you hear that ever in the world? No. 130 million more children are in school every year. 94 million fewer children are being forced into to be child laborers. Good things are happening all over the world. God is moving. The church is growing all over the world. In our little corner of the world where it seems like everything's on fire and chaos and all that, let's not lose perspective and look for God everywhere. Someone said that the cynic and the child walk through the same valley of the child shadow of death. The cynic focuses on the darkness, the child focuses on the shepherd. See him in the rain. Look for him in the trial. Try to find him in the ordinary, in the seeming mundane of your life. And these two things, which are just real simple. Number three, take action against cynicism. And I talked about that earlier, about being proactive in the middle of it all. Because it is sweeping in in every area, pushing on us in everywhere. Sometimes you need to unfollow negative net on Facebook. Or Cranky Susie. Or you just need to unfollow some. Anybody, ain't nobody got time for that. Sometimes you just need to forgive that offense. 
Some of us need to lessen our intake of social media and the news media and a little bit more time in something else. Take your cynical thoughts captive. Some of us are just programmed. We've done it all our lives. I'm not going to make it. It's too difficult. Life is hard. All those things. Take them captive and throw them out. And take, this is a good one, take a fast from feeding your negativity of what's going on in your life into, the, into your social media stream of all the things that life is hard. Not popular. Number four, take action for celebration. This is the fun of what we're going to do this week. Share Jesus with someone. Pull over. i got a whole bunch of things. Pull over and watch the sunset and revel in its spectacular display. We've had some amazing sunsets in the last while. Listen to some happy music that makes you want to tap your toe. For real. Music, God is a creative God full of joy, and we also should be full of joy at times. Start a joy journal where every day you write down scriptures and quotes and experiences where God gifted you with joy. Memorize scripture on joy and celebration. Get this one. Write a letter to a friend and stick it in the mail and tell them, this is why I'm so thankful in your life. I celebrate who you are. You know, people would like, what is this? And they would be so encouraged in the middle of it. Bake your favorite cake and enjoy a slice all without guilt this week. Yeah, there you go. Someone's like, I got you, Pastor. Stop and look at the wonder of, what, of creation in the autumn leaves as they change colors. Text someone about the good things that are happening to your life. There are so many things. That's why we're talking about prayer and feasting, that we come with a whole different perspective to prayer. We celebrate what God is. We celebrate who God is. We celebrate what God's doing. We take pers- uh, offensive action against cynicism, and suddenly our perspective begins to shift, and suddenly we start to be, wow, our celebration of what God has done fuels prayer for what he will do. And Instead of just looking at all that's going on around us, I don't know, and trying to will some prayer out and and really discipline ourselves, I'm going to, yes, that's going on, but I'm so grateful to what you're doing, for what you're doing right, God, right now, God. I'm so, so just overjoyed with the way that you have moved in my life. And over this next several days, if you're uh, subscribed to our morning emails, I'm going to be giving you some little ideas every day of a way to incorporate celebration into your day that will fuel your prayer because the practice of celebration by you defeats the presence of cynicism around you. The cynicism that's robbing the church of her joy, robbing the church of her expectation, and robbing the church of her power. So instead of being cynical, this is our time to be people of celebration, to be people that are feasting and praying. People of celebration, because celebration over cynicism. Let me pray. Can I invite you to stand? And if you're online, wherever you are, stand even in your living room if you're there. And I want to pray for us because this is a actual issue in our culture. And all of us are vulnerable to its effect on us. And it's robbing the church of expectation. It's robbing the church of joy. It's robbing the church of of the power of God moving in us. So Holy Spirit, I invite you just to consider for a moment, Holy Spirit, is there any space where cynicism has crept in in my heart? Any space? He'll show you. It could be about a person, it could be about a people group, it could be about him, it could be about the future, it could be about your finances, it could be about your marriage.
And in every place, Lord Jesus, I thank you. Wherever people are watching right now, online, in Princeton, around the world, in the room, right? Holy Spirit, we invite you. We celebrate your goodness, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you that, as Shanda shared earlier, Lord, testimonies of lives being changed, Lord. Thank you that we hear testimonies of people who have surrendered their life to Jesus in the middle of this COVID season, Lord. Thank you that this, this summer on our campus, Lord, that 700,000 meals were sent out into our community this year in the middle of a pandemic. Thank you, Lord, that over $50,000 has gone out to feed people uh, this summer, Lord Jesus, out of Horizon Church, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we have this property, Lord Jesus, that, that allows us to minister into the community. We're, we give thanks, Lord. We're joyful for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you that you're moving, Lord. Change our perspective, Holy Spirit. We invite you, Lord. Just put your hand over your own heart for a moment and, and ask the Holy Spirit to shift something inside of you, that, that he would take you to another level of being an active vocal celebrator. The worrying person doesn't help anybody. The celebrator inspires. The celebrator activates. The celebrator causes people to see that there's hope for good and for God in the world. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do a fresh work in our spirit, to do a fresh work on us in the inside. You will shift us, move us, and change us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Your kingdom come. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.